0: Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Thursday, August the 24th, 2023. It is the feast of St. Bartholomew, one of the apostles. Today's reading is from the gospel according to St. John. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one about whom Moses wrote in the law, and also the prophets, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. But Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said of him, Here is a true child of Israel. There is no duplicity in him. Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. And he said to him, Amen, amen, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So today is the Feast of St. Bartholomew. Let's talk about names a little bit here. His first name apparently was Nathaniel. Bartholomew, a little quick lesson in uh, Jewish names here. There's a lot of names in the Bible that begin with Bar. In fact, Jesus' proper name was Jesus Bar-Joseph. Bar means the son of. So, Simon Peter was Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah. There was Barabbas. uh, Name some others. I don't know. There's a bunch of them. And in Jewish writings, especially at that time, we see a lot of bars. So, Bartholomew. His father's name must have been Tholomew or something very close to that. So, in the annals of history... In the documents of the church, we know him as Bartholomew. However, in the scriptures, he's known as Nathaniel. He's got the longest name of all the 12 apostles, both first and last. And I'll tell you a quick little story. I was visiting my grandmother about 20 years ago in St. Louis. That's where she lived. And she lived near the new cathedral in St. Louis. Uh, Pope John Paul had actually visited there. Uh, But I was taking a little tour on my own, and I was visiting the old cathedral, which is right next to the arch, the gateway arch, and I've been up in the arch many times visiting her, and I also, uh, so I went into the, the old cathedral, and underneath the cathedral, there's a museum, so I prayed in the church for a little bit, toured around, then went down the hallway, went down the steps, and took a step into the museum, and I look, to my right, and there is a painting on the wall, larger than life, bigger than me, and it's a picture of a man being flayed. Um, literally, there's a torturer with a knife in his hand, and then there's a man who's tied down, and the skin is being ripped off of his body and i thought how horrifying that's the last thing i'd ever want to see and i was just thinking to myself what is this and i look at the bottom and it says the martyrdom of saint bartholomew so he was skinned alive before he was killed i think afterward then he was decapitated when jesus says you will see greater things than this um You know, martyrdom is also one of these great things because they held fast to their faith even though they endured such horrible tortures and death. They were so convinced that Jesus had died for us, saved the world, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. He had seen that with his own eyes and and now he was filled with the spirit and there was nothing that was going to stop him. Let's talk about this passage a little bit. And if you've seen the show, The Chosen, there is a very beautiful moving episode in The Chosen that has this scene. I'll just give you the scene in The Chosen, and then we'll get right to the scripture because it just fills it out a little bit. Uh, Nathaniel is sitting under a fig tree, and I forget what happened to him right before this, but he was very, very upset. And he's praying under the fig tree, and he said, Lord, Lord, do you see me? don't you see me? Do you see me? I feel, and he's basically expressing that he feels empty. He feels alone. He feels disconnected. Lord, don't you see me? Do you see me? And then it's only a few minutes later, he's walking in town and Philip brings Nathaniel to Jesus. He brings Jesus to Nathaniel rather and says, here he is. He's the Messiah. And Nathaniel had just said, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? Like, ew, (laughs) the Messiah from Nazareth. I mean, number one, they thought he was going to come from Bethlehem, which we know he did. But Jesus still lived in Nazareth. Uh, But also, you know, it's a statement of, uh, well, you know, (laughs) we would hope we'd get some something better than that. Anyway, Jesus sees him. He says there's no duplicity in him. Meaning, I mean, it's kind of a joke like, yeah, I heard what you said about my my hometown, Nazareth. And I appreciate the fact that you don't mince words, that you're not a phony, that you say what's on your mind. But it also might have been a reference to his prayer under the tree. And then he looks at him, looks at him with love, just like he looked at Matthew with love, just as he looked at the rich young man with love. I mean, Jesus does this Mary Magdalene calling her name. And he looks at him and he says, I saw you under the fig tree. And so his immediate response is, well, you know, you must be God because that was in my prayer. (laughs) You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus is basically saying, well, that was something, but it wasn't really that big of a deal compared to the things that you're going to see. So we have in this person, uh, Nathaniel Bartholomew. Someone who is not duplicitous, someone who falls in love with Jesus immediately and will be his faithful follower to the point of being skinned alive. Let's talk for a moment about genuine relationship. We, um, I got into this conversation recently over some different matters, things that are being planned. And the question comes up, you know, who are your real friends? Who can you trust? And I was reading a book once about the circles of relationship. For a person to be truly healthy, it had to do with healing, this book that I was reading. People struggle with addictions and they struggle with all sorts of different things, things from their past. And one of the things that this book says is necessary for healing is that you have to have a balance in all your circles of relationships. The first circle being yourself and God. Sometimes people don't have a good relationship with themselves. Sometimes people don't have a good relationship with God, but that's that's the core of you. That's your heart, and that needs to be healthy, and that needs to be uh, in harmony. It's one of the disharmonies caused by original sin. We don't love ourselves, and of course, we, we lose our relationship with God. So that's the first circle. The second circle being your significant other, usually a spouse, maybe a best friend, maybe a couple people, family members. The third circle, meaning your good friends, your true good friends, and that third circle shouldn't really have a ton of people in it, but if, you know, we should have a decent number, wouldn't it be great to have two, three, four really good friends in that third circle? And then the fourth circle is just your overall sphere of influence. There could be hundreds of people in that fourth circle, depending on what you do for a living and where you live, things like that. Uh, So we were discussing how... Sometimes people have tons of people in that fourth circle, but they have nobody in that third circle. And how unfortunate that is. And sometimes people think that fourth circle is their third circle. They think, oh, these are my good friends. But then when push comes to shove, nobody's really there for them. There's no consistency in their relationships. So... Jesus and Nathaniel are depicted as having a good relationship, a true friendship. As Jesus goes around and he does form, especially with his apostles, his close followers, there is an intimacy there. When there's no duplicity, then you can have true intimacy. You can connect with each other properly and in a way that's very helpful, very healing, very good for us. And when you have that good relationship, a true love, where there's not a lot of borders and boundaries between you, then, you know, what does Jesus say is the greatest love, the greatest friendship. When he calls us his friends in John 15, there's no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. And this is what St. Bartholomew does. I always talk about Dr. Conrad Bars. He's one of my favorite authors. I highly recommend everybody to read his books. And he says healing only happens. And apparently Nathaniel here, Bartholomew, needed some healing when we look at the larger story. Dr. Barr says that healing only happens in the context of affirmation. It's really something. I mean, that statement right there can change your life if you really ponder it, if you really try to live it. In the context of affirmation, so many people try to heal themselves with self-help books. Now, don't get me wrong. though A lot of those books are good. (laughs) They have a lot of good things in them, but that's not going to be the only solution to your problems. Uh, Sometimes people try to heal themselves with medicine. Medicine very often is a band-aid, especially when we're talking about psychotropic drugs. It's a band-aid. It's not going to cure and heal the deeper issues. I mean, we might not be able to go back and reconcile with a parent that's long deceased, but still we can reconcile the parts of us that uh, are not in harmony, as I was saying earlier about that first circle. So it's only in the context of affirmation, therefore in the context of loving relationship that we experience healing. This is how that works. So when we connect for some people, I don't know, everybody's different. Some people just, it's so hard because of woundedness, because of the way they've been brought up. For some people, it's so hard to find genuine friendship, genuine relationships. It's easy maybe to be the politician type of person and just have tons of acquaintances. And maybe if they really work at it, there's a one significant other. They work on getting married, and I, I feel so horrible. There's so many marriages out there where... The other person really isn't the significant other. There's not a true intimacy there. There's a mutual agreement to live together. There's a mutual agreement to sleep together, a mutual agreement to have children. But true friendship that requires a letting down of the guard. That requires lots of humility, requires lots of work, too. But working on the right things. So I always recommend to people, you know, find the right. Support group, find the right 12 step group, find the right church group. A lot of church groups aren't going to help you with this because they're, once again, about politics or whatever. They're about, hey, look at us. Look at me. I'm on the parish council. Look at me. I'm the Knight of Columbus. But to find true intimacy, there are church groups where you can find that. It's better to look for a prayer group, very often, even the prayer groups that meet in people's homes, because our Blessed Mother promises. And this is just a fact of our faith. Jesus says it when two or three are there, you know, are there in my name, gathered together in my name. And when two or three pray about something, I am there in their midst. I am answering their prayers. So I've experienced it many times in my life. When I pray with people, the walls do break down and there's a true intimacy that forms. So prayer groups, support groups. Asking the Lord to put the right people in our path, that we find the right friends, people that we can trust. Once again, I do read a lot of books. Some of them are self-help books. Uh, one book that's more of a theological book is Elred of Vervo, The Treatise on Friendship. That's more of a you know, spiritual reading from eight centuries ago. But he talks about how we need friends. Friendship are a part is a part of the Christian life. Our friends are very much a part of our lives and a life of virtue. Friendship, he says, is a virtue. It's not the same as charity. Charity is for everybody in a general way. Friendship is for particular people. God will put these people in our path, but we have to test them because sometimes we think someone is a friend and they turn out not to be. So we test them. We see if we can trust them. They see if they can trust us. Sometimes we need to grow. We're not ready for friendship because we still have a lot of maturing to do. But even there, it's in the context of friendship that we grow. It's in the context of affirmation. So I just wanted to say a few words on this. In light of the feast of St. Bartholomew, this man in whom there was no duplicity, Jesus trusted him. He trusted Jesus, and they loved each other so much that Bartholomew was willing to endure the most horrifying of tortures for Jesus, We ask our Lord, in addition to making us happy and healthy with our human friends, that we may grow deeply intimate in a relationship with Jesus, that he may come to trust us more and more as his friends, that we may come to trust him more and more. He's entirely trustworthy. We can say this intellectually, but do we really believe it? Do we really live it? That's a different story. So we ask our Lord for a growing intimacy with him which comes by spending time with him, praying, being in prayer, spending time in adoration, spending time with his word. We ask him for that growing intimacy, that growing friendship, that we may be filled with his grace and that we may continue to heal ourselves. God bless you. I hope everybody has a great day.